0: Thank you for being here. We're glad that you are with us this morning. We have, uh, I don't know how many we have today. We need more, but we are grateful that you're here. And hopefully and prayerfully in the coming months, we can get back to some semblance of normality. I'm not sure exactly when that's gonna be, but we're grateful that you chose to come today. To those of you who are viewing our service today by way of streaming, we. Welcome you, we hope and pray that what is said today will benefit you greatly. We're going to be looking at James chapter 1 in our study today, James chapter 1. And as we look at James 1 specifically, we're going to be focusing in on verses 13 through 16 in our study together. And I want to begin by simply saying how much, again, we appreciate you being here. If you're visiting, as always, please come back and be with us. Uh, We appreciate all of the efforts that took place last week in making VBS happen. I know that uh, it was a virtual VBS, and there were a number of people that watched, participated, and we're thankful for Heather Boyd and others who participated in that and made that a reality. So thank you for that. In our study today, we're going to be talking about the theme, Don't Let the Devil Make a Slave Out of You. The devil wants to imprison you. His goal is to enslave you. He wants you to live a life separate and apart from the Lord. And so he is doing everything within his power to enslave you into his service. And so when I started today, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1. I want to call your attention first of all, to the idea that relates to the culprit in temptation. There's a common tendency in temptation to blame God. As a matter of fact, when we talk about trials and temptations, there are a lot of folks that erroneously will charge God for their troubles and their problems. How many times have we seen people that face various trials in life? And you know, in verse one, chapter two of James, James would write, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. There are lots of different trials that come our way. Some are economic, some are physical in nature, some are related to our association with other people. I mean, there are just a vast array of trials that we face on a daily basis. And so when people begin to try to determine, okay, what's the source, the originating factor for the trials that I'm faced with? Sometimes people will say, well, God is the cause. If He really loved me, cared about me, I wouldn't be facing all of these difficulties in life. And then with regard to temptation, there are some who will lay their temptation at the feet of God. You remember in Genesis chapter 3? The Bible talks about Adam and Eve and the serpent who came on the scene. Initially, he deceived Mother Eve, didn't he? And she partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. She ate from that tree. Not only did she eat, but Adam did it as well, didn't he? After the couple had transgressed the law of God, Moses said, God appeared. And God asked Adam in the long ago, Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? What a question. Sure he did. God knows everything. He didn't ask that question so that he might gain information. But rather, he asked that probing question to help Adam see where he was in his fallen state. And you remember the text says, Adam then responded by saying to God, the woman whom you gave to me, the blame game. Got to have somebody to blame. Couldn't be my fault, so. Adam blamed Eve and in reality pointed the finger back to God, didn't he? So there's this tendency in times of temptation to blame the Lord. Now James said, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt any man. God is not the author of temptation. So what then is the truth about temptation? I think first and foremost... We need to understand something about our spiritual enemy. James here dismisses the thought that God is responsible for the trials and temptations of life. Can God use, through his providence, trials and difficulties in life to better us, to equip us for greater service in his kingdom? Well, the answer is yes. But God is not responsible Temptation. There is a spiritual enemy that Scripture identifies. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, this spiritual enemy is the tempter. And you remember, he sought to tempt the Lord Jesus, didn't he? Three times, the tempter tempted Jesus. Each and every time, Jesus responded by saying, It's written, and would not cave in to temptation. So I think about what Matthew said. He's the tempter. Jesus identified him in John 8 verse 44 as a liar and a murderer. Gives you insight into what we're dealing with. And then of course, in Matthew 13, Jesus talked about the wicked one. In verse 39, he identified him as an enemy. That's what we're up against. Peter called him an adversary. He's not an ally. He's an adversary. And he walks about, as Peter said, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. So, we're facing a spiritual enemy. But we're also facing a scheming. Enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul said, Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why, Paul? That you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. What are you saying there is the devil is crafty. The devil has been identified by John in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 as the deceiver of the whole world. There are people in our world today, they make their living in advertising. And there's some slogans that people have come up with down through the ages that have been very catchy. And as a result of those slogans, they have sold a lot of products or services, haven't they? I think about when I was growing up hearing the slogan, Coke Ads life. That's just one. Or Nike's slogan, be like Mike, going back to the era of Michael Jordan. Let me tell you what, the devil? You want to talk about somebody who advertises and does it about as well as anybody? That is the one we're talking about. I mean, he has the ability to take something that can hurt us, can be destructive, can cause us any number of problems and make it look so appealing, can't he? That's why Jesus said he's a liar. He's a murderer. What he does, his ad campaign is, this is what you need. It's all about you. Why do you want to live for God? You need to live for yourself. I mean, after all, you're God. I mean, you need to get... You need to get everything you can out of life. Don't worry about living by some binary code, some ethical code. You just do what you want to do. There are some slick advertising campaigns in our world today. It's amazing how appealing those who peddle adult beverages can make that beverage look, whether it's beer. Or some type of alcohol. And what they insinuate is this is what's going to help you become a complete person. I mean, you need this. It's going to make you more sociable, likable. It's going to help you advance your career. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Well, Paul said you need to be, you need to be weary, you need to be wary of this enemy. Because he is a schemer. He's a scammer as well, isn't he? You ever been scammed? There are some people that, that I know that have been scammed out of thousands of dollars. They thought they were doing business with a reputable company, a reputable individual, and what they got was not what they bargained for. That's exactly how the devil operates. So let's think now about some characteristics that relate to temptation. When we talk about the characteristics of temptation, what James is gonna say first and foremost is that the devil has the ability to entice. I said a minute ago, he's good at what he does, isn't he? He's been doing this a long time, since creation began. The devil has been, he has been refining and, and refining his craft. He has a lot of experience. He is excellent at what he does. And so he uses bait, doesn't he? He's all about baiting people. Now James said, every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. What what James is saying is the devil has the ability to bait you. He baits all of us, doesn't he? If you were to go fishing this week, depending on what kind of fish you're trying to, to catch... You're going to use a certain type of lure, aren't you? A certain type of bait. Is there not a difference in lures and baits that are used to catch certain types of fish? Well, the answer is yes. The devil understands not every kind of bait is going to catch the same kind of individual. So the devil is always operating and orchestrating things so that what might not tempt you will tempt another person and vice versa. So he baits people, number one, in the secular realm. Well, what do you mean by that? The devil uses secular things to tempt people. Now you remember John talked about it in 1 John chapter 2. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, You mean to tell me that the devil can use visual things to attract, tempt, and ultimately capture individuals? The answer is yes. Does it every day, doesn't he? I mean, are there not people in our world today, they are living a fleshly life? It's all about gratifying the flesh. Think, for example, of how the devil uses money. The devil uses money to create obstacles in the lives of people. Paul would say in First Timothy chapter 6, in verse 10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have become greedy for gain, haven't they? They'll lie, they'll cheat, they will steal, they'll embezzle. They will kill for the almighty dollar, won't they? Does the devil not use power and pride to tempt people? I mean, isn't that what the devil used in the Garden of Eden? When the devil said to Mother Eve, why, you'll be as God, knowing good and evil. You ought to yourself, don't you? You're somebody. So it's all about self-esteem, self-worth. You need to be powerful. You need to be in a position of power. You need to be in a position where you can exercise your rights to grapple more money or power or promise or whatever. Man, the devil is good at what he does. He's outstanding in the realm of tempting people. So he'll throw a little bait here, a little bait there. And before you know it, people are... Biting the bait. Not only does he not only does he bait people in the secular realm, but he does so in the spiritual realm, doesn't he? Just because you become a child of God doesn't mean the devil says, okay, it's off limits. I don't, I don't have to, I'm not, I'm not going to try to test and tempt you anymore. I mean you belong to God. Peter wrote to Christians, didn't he? And Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. You need to be on guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, listen to him, seeking whom he may devour. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, we hear Paul talking about waging a good warfare. And he talks about two individuals, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who made shipwreck of their faith. Their faith ran aground. In his second letter to Timothy, he talked about two other individuals, two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus. And he said, they have strayed according to the faith, teaching that the resurrection is already past. And he said, they overthrow the faith of some. That's what the devil does. He's in the business of taking your faith and denigrating that faith and destroying it. Well, how does he do that? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, yes. But he can, also take, he can also take spiritual things and use those things against you. Is that not what he did to Jesus when he quoted Scripture? Told him to cast himself off of the temple? And didn't he say it's written, Your angel shall bear you up? How many people have been told a falsehood? Once you become a Christian, you don't live any way you want to live. You don't have to be faithful to God. Once saved, always saved. Are there not people that believe that doctrine? And by the way, there are a lot of folks, even in the church, they'll tell you they don't believe that doctrine, but that's what they practice. They're not faithful, they're not living for God. They know the commands to be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. Is it not the devil who's telling people, why do you need to be baptized? You don't need to be baptized into Christ. You're saved by grace and grace alone. Look, I said just a minute ago, the devil When it comes to advertising and putting a product on the quote-unquote shelves that people will buy, he is the master. And there are a lot of people that he has literally hooked by false doctrine. There are people that in their heart of hearts, they believe they're children of God. They believe that they've been saved from sin that they're, they're a part of the body of Christ, that they have the privilege of prayer, that they have the hope of heaven and yet what the devil through human individuals has been propagating is anything but divine truth. Look the devil does not care how he destroys people. Do you think he cares how do you think he cares how he lures people into a life of sin, I don't think he cares a bit. Bottom line is, he just wants to do it. So first, he entices, and then, what does he do? He enslaves. He ensnares. And the idea is, he catches people. They're caught in his clutches. Now, what was it James said in James chapter one? Every man is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has been conceived, brings forth death. In John chapter 8, do you remember what Jesus said in John 8? In verse 34. He said that those who commit sin, hear him, are the bondservants of sin. That is, they are the servants, the slaves of sin. In our world today, slavery has a very negative connotation. And how many times have you heard people tell you, you know what, I'd be a Christian. But I just don't want somebody telling me that these things that I want to do are off limits. I don't want anybody running my life. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm not gonna subjugate my life to anybody. What they don't understand is if they're living in sin, They are the devil's slaves. Paul said in Romans chapter 6 verse 16, Know ye not that to whomsoever you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And the idea is you can choose which life you want. You want to be a slave of sin? Then live for the devil. You want to be a slave of Christ? Then live for Him. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free in John 8, 32. In verse 36, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. There is only one person who can liberate people from sin, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you think about how the devil today has sold this pluralistic message to the hearts and lives of people all around the world. Are there not people today that have this idea that there are many roads to heaven? If you want to be a follower of Islam, hey, that's okay. You want to follow some Eastern religion, Hinduism or something else, then that's okay, that's your prerogative. If you want to bow at the altar of Jesus, you can do that. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The devil wants you to believe. You you can be anything you want and still go to heaven. That is wrong. Wrong. It's a lie. It is a falsehood. The apostles said, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I want you to think about something. You know, when we talk about our spiritual family, there are only two possibilities. Either God is your father and you are his child, or the devil is your father and you're his child. Do you remember John 8, verse 44, when Jesus said to the Jews of his day, you are of your father, the devil. Somebody says, that's really strong. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? If you're living for the devil, you are a slave of the devil. He's your spiritual father. And sometimes we invite him into our homes, don't we? You know, sometimes... Sometimes we have members of our own family who are being controlled by the devil. Look, the devil is all about catching people in sin. And the idea is once he gets you in his his net, he knows it's going to be tough for you to get out. Because the devil, He captures people, takes them, as Paul said, captive to do his will in 2 Timothy 2, verse 26. Peter said in 2 Peter 2, verse 19, By whom a person is overcome, by him he is also brought into, listen to what he said, into bondage. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that when the devil lays claim to you, he leads you away into bondage, into captivity. You are his slave. Jesus came to redeem the human family, didn't he? To buy us back, understanding that sin had a chokehold on us, and the redemptive price was, as Peter said, not silver and gold, but the precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Now, there are a lot of people in our world today, and there are people in the church. They have been imprisoned by the devil, and they can't see their way out. I know of people in the Lord's church that have a real problem with alcoholism. They are a slave to the bottle. You ever known anybody like that? I've known people like that. I know of a preacher that was a closet alcoholic. You know anybody that's addicted to heroin? They are a slave of that drug. And the devil's out peddling it all over town. And the people that are selling it, they are the devil's people. And all they're doing is hooking people on a drug that will ultimately destroy them. It will destroy their family relationships. It will destroy them financially and every other way. The devil's all about sowing bad seed, isn't he? And the devil uses a lot of things to enslave people in a life of sin. And here's what's really sad. When you talk to people who are out in the world, and here they are out in the world advocating that they are the captain of their ship, they're the master of their fate. That is a lie. That's what the devil wants them to think. That's what he wants you to think. You're in charge, you're in control. Baloney. You're not in charge, you're not in control. The devil's moving you around like a pawn. And he is using people. He uses and abuses people. That's how he operates. So he's all about enslaving. There is a third thing I want you to see in our study. It has to do with the challenges of temptation. Number one. Awareness. We need to understand we are in a battle. We are in the battle for our spiritual existence, our spiritual lives. And the devil, as Peter says, walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to undermine our faith. He's trying to denigrate our relationship to the Lord. In short, he's trying to destroy us. And listen, when people get caught up in a life of sin, what they don't realize is there are consequences associated with that way of life, aren't there? Didn't Paul say, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Look at the division and unrest and problems that we have globally speaking. And you could just look at a number of problems that are so prevalent in our world today. Lay it all at the feet of one individual. It's the devil. Awareness. Awareness of what? Number one, we need to know our opponent. We need to know what we're up against, don't we? You need to understand you are faced. You are faced with a challenge. And that challenge is for your faith. You need to know the opponent. I would imagine that before a country decides to go to war against another country, they're gonna sit down and count the cost, aren't they? They're gonna try to know something about their opponent, about their adversary, their enemy. Look, if we are battling the devil, and we are, don't you think we need to know something about him? And don't you think that the terms that are used to describe him says something about who he is? He's a tempter. He is the wicked one. He is the enemy. He is an adversary. He is the deceiver of the whole world. This is the one that's trying to get a foothold in your life. You better know him. There are a lot of people in the church. They have been lulled to sleep. They have become spiritual pacifists. You know, there are people in our world today, they do not believe in taking up arms and protecting themselves. They're pacifists. Look, I'm not for war. In other words, I'm I'm not somebody out here advocating war. But I understand there comes a point in time when we might have to defend ourselves. And you read Romans 13 about the civil government. But there are a lot of people in our world today, there are a lot of people in the church, I guess I should say. They are pacifists. And let me tell you what, if you are a pacifist in the church of Christ, the devil will run over you. He will run right over the top of you. Why do you think Paul said to Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Why do you think Paul said to Timothy, Fight the good fight of faith. Why would he say, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil? He's saying, You need to know, you need to know something about your opponent. And you need to know how he operates. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth. We are not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Why, Paul? Lest he gain advantage over us. You better know how that enemy operates. You better know what his tendencies are. You better know how he is coming after you. And I promise you, he is coming after you. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter where you went to school. Doesn't matter how much money or how little money you have. He is all about destroying and disrupting your life. And he'll do that. So we've got to know the opponent. We've got to know how he operates. And he is the master of deceit. So first there is awareness and then secondly, our attitude. Now listen to what James said in chapter 1, verse 16. He just talked about how the devil operates, how he'll bait us. And he said, when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. And then he said, sin, when it is full grown, when it reaches a mature state, what happens? Leads to death, doesn't it? What did Paul say, Romans six twenty three: The wages of sin, listen to him, is death. That's what he's after. So James said, Do not err, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't let the devil get a foothold in your life. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 4 when Paul said, Neither give place or opportunity to the devil. Don't let the devil. Get a foothold in your life because once he gets into your life, let me tell you what, he's coming in. Full bore. Why? Because he's not going to be happy until he's calling the shots, until he's controlling you. So, number one, our attitude. Our attitude ought to be we're going to resist in times of temptation. Listen to what James said, chapter four, verse seven. Resist the devil in what? He will flee from you. Do you remember in Luke 4, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil? There were at least three temptations. We have three recorded temptations by the devil. After having successfully overcome every temptation, the Bible says the devil left him. But then note what he says, until an opportune time. The devil wasn't through with Jesus. Jesus won the day. He won the battle. The war was still raging. And the devil did everything within his power to subvert the plan of God, the will of God, with regard to Jesus going to the cross. And yet Jesus did what? He resisted, didn't he? When Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph, what did he do? Did he resist? Didn't he run? And then there's a second thing. It has to do with our resources in times of temptation. Well, what kind of resources are we talking about? Number one, one of the things that we try to do, what we're, one of the things we're trying to do is take God's Word, store it up in our minds, in our heart. Well, why? Listen to the psalmist. Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119.11. Are you saying there is, that there is a valid reason for taking the Word of God and internalizing it in my life? yes. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, how did he respond every single time? He said, it is written. You know one of the real problems we have in in our country, in our world? There are a lot of people that do not know what the Bible teaches. They don't know the difference between right or wrong, truth or error, if it hit them in the face. They just don't know. They had not been taught. Christianity is a taught religion. So when we the strength, the stamina, stamina, to persevere, to stay the course. Do you remember Jesus said in Luke 18 verse 1 that men ought to always pray and not faint or grow discouraged. In times of temptation, can we not pray to God? And know what the Hebrew writer is saying in chapter 4 verse 16? Pray. And then the final thought. Be careful about the kind of people that you hang around with. One good way to steer clear from temptation, associate with good people. Paul said evil companionship corrupts good morals. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, listen to him, do not consent. Solomon said, he that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. There there is strength in numbers, isn't there? I mean, if you're hanging around with the right crowd, the right kind of people, can they not help lift you out of temptation? Yes. Yes. I think about a buddy of mine years ago. When I made the decision, you know what? I'm done with the world. I'm leaving it. And I promise you, it was not easy. One of the toughest things I ever did was decide, you know what? I'm not going to live this way any longer. And there's a buddy of mine that I can think of right now And I told him this not long ago at the Freed Harteman Lectures. he's not a preacher, but he was my neighbor. And I really believe I would not be here today were it not for him. I wouldn't. Man, he helped keep me where I needed to be. He helped keep me on the straight and narrow. You need to surround yourself with good people. And that will be a great source of encouragement. I listened today, don't let the devil make a slave out of you. If you're living in sin, may I say it's the worst form of slavery I know of. Because ultimately it leads to death. And the devil's satisfied. If you're living in sin, he's happy. But what Jesus said was, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's desire is that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're here today, and let's just say that, you know what? You're tired of sin. You're tired of what the world has to offer. The world will promise you everything and it will deliver you nothing. Jesus asked, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Would you willingly repent of your sins, confess his name, and then be buried with him in baptism so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Let God put you in the church And then listen to what James said. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. You know what Jesus is interested in? He's interested in people being faithful to him. And he promises a crown of life to all who are faithful. Revelation 2, verse 10. If you're a member of the body of Christ, and like that prodigal, you've gone back out into the world and you're living a life that is destitute of all the promises of God, we appeal to you, come home today. Ask God to forgive you. Repent, as John said in 1 John 1, verse 8. And James said, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. Our plea to you today, come to Christ.